Go to Psalms. We're going to go chapter 84. We're going to read one verse getting into this. We're going to read 8411. Give you a little bit of time to get there. Mad at me, Hannah? Yeah. yeah. What else is new? Yeah, she would have, you're right. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. I'm so excited for the season that's coming up. Father, this is, this is about you. But the thing is, Father, I need you to know that every single day is about you with this church. I know that our country and our world looks at you maybe a couple times a year, but Father, we look upon your face every day. Every day to us is a holiday because you're in charge. You're in control. I look at the things that are going on in our world and in our country today. A lot of disturbing things. Me and my brother Bojo talked about this this morning. But Father, again, I have no doubt you're in control, and I praise you for that. I ask that you continue to turn and stir the hearts of the people that need it. Father, go after the leaders of this country and our world. Father, I'd ask that you just come down on them again, soften their hearts, show them your love. That's what's most important, and if it's us that needs to show it to them, you show us the way. We'll make that happen. Father, thank you for the word that you've given me today, your favor. I praise you for your favor. Father, in this moment, you've given me a word to give. Father, I just ask that you take everything that is blocking me right now from giving this message. Father, I ask that you cast it away. I ask that you anoint, anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I praise you. Thank you. Take everything that's blocking me and cast it into the sea, Father. Thank you again so much for the message that you've given me today to give. Do not let me get in your way. This is all you, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Okay, guys. <clears throat> Today's title is God's Favor. You know, every time I get into a conversation about this with people, about God's favor, there's two questions that always come up. Number one is, well, what really is God's favor? And then number two is, how do I get into God's favor? How do I walk in that favor? And today, when this sermon's over, you guys will be able to answer both of those questions. We're going to start with God's favor, right? What is God's favor? Now, what does somebody actually mean when they say that? You, you know, you guys know I'm, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, you know, just a little bit. You know, they play at noon today. We're going to take the division. Anyway, okay, let's get off. So, 
Back in the day in the 90s, a lot of y'all will remember this, Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, in my opinion, uh, and I'm fixing to make a lot of old people mad, is the best coach the Dallas Cowboys ever had, Tom Landry's number two. Okay, y'all can get mad at me if you want to. I love Tom, I love him, I love him. But Jim, Jimmy Johnson was amazing. Anyway, so Jimmy Johnson, what he would do, and I heard him talk on this one time. Somebody asked him, do you treat all your players the same? And his answer was no. Which kind of baffled a lot of people, you know, it, especially military-wise and old-school football, everybody was the same, right? Everybody's exactly the same. And they asked him to elaborate, so he did. He said, well, here's the thing. He said, just a few weeks ago, I you know, released our third-string running back. He said, the very next day, I walked into a film session, and Emmett Smith was asleep in the back. For those of y'all that don't know who Emmett Smith is, first of all, <laughs> I am praying for you, okay? <laughs> Emmett Smith is the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. He won an MVP. He won a Super Bowl MVP, and he won three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. God bless Emmett Smith. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Emmett was asleep in film practice or in film session. And they said, well, what'd you do to him? He said, I just went over, tapped him on the shoulder, said, Emmett, wake up, buddy. The other guy that he released didn't do really near that bad of something wrong. He just missed one rule. But guys, here's the difference. Emmett Smith, again, was the all-time leading rusher in NFL history, scored more touchdowns than anybody. He was an amazing football player, but he was a better teammate. And anything that Jimmy Johnson asked of him, he did. Emmett was in Jimmy Johnson's favor. So he allowed more grace to Emmett Smith. Y'all feel me? Okay. Let's look at the definition of favor. This is God's favor. This is the definition. This is the biblical definition of God's favor. Divine kindness or act of true compassion on the part of God himself toward undeserving humans, us. Often in scripture, this act of God is referred to as God's grace, which means the unmerited favor of God. So, God's favor is grace. It's mercy. Y'all follow me there? Okay, so do we understand what God's favor is now? Amen. Now that we do understand, I want to go on. Let's discuss again. How do you receive God's favor? I want to go to Genesis chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read about Noah today. We're not going to go into a complete story of Noah, but we're going to talk about more of the beginning of this in chapter 6. Uh, here in chapter 6, give you guys kind of a heads up. Obviously, a lot of y'all know this story, but God is disappointed uh, in the humans that he has created. Uh, all of them are terrible. I mean, good gosh. But there's one person, obviously, that actually has been following and, and, and living in, in the favor of God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. This is verse 5. When the Lord saw the extent of human wickedness and that the trend and direction of men's lives were only towards evil, he was sorry he had made them. It broke his heart. Next. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So 
out of all the humans and out of all the people and out of all the animals, Noah was the one that had favor from the Lord. I always think it's funny that only six chapters into creation, into Genesis, God is already fed up <laughs> with what he's created. You know, there's one man, and that's it. That's the only one that's in his favor. And, and you know, Noah's always known for building a boat, right? Like, that's what Noah's known for. But Noah was actually the first example to us Christians of how we can find and walk in God's true favor. Noah shows us four steps from that point forward in chapter 6. We're, we're going to go over those four steps. I do want to bring something up. If y'all remember last week, I talked about how some things just, uh, you know, most important thing, right, is to teach God's love, right? I kind of got off on some other things and so forth. Man, I got tempted again. Because when I read that, the first thing that popped in my mind was, man, how long was it from Adam and Eve to Noah? Like, how long was that? How many years? Well, some biblical scholars will say it was 1,056 years. Some say up to 3,000 years. But here's what I need you to know. It doesn't matter. Let's continue the story. And let's start talking about how we can get into God's favor instead of how many years passed. I mean, really, why does that matter? It just doesn't matter. Let's go to Genesis 6, 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man and the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So, step one. Righteousness. Righteousness is your step one. You must walk in righteousness to, God, to, to gain God's favor. Uh, uh, Nick, pull up the definition of righteousness for me. Morally good. Following religious or moral laws. Free from guilt or sin. Righteousness is the perfect holiness of Christ. It is an essential attribute to the character of God. Quite literally meaning one who is right. So simply put, you guys, righteousness is the opposite of sin. That's what righteousness is. Noah was the only righteous man on the earth again at that time. Everyone else walked towards sin while Noah ran from it. Now, I'm sure that Noah also made a lot of mistakes. Like, I get that. I mean, just like we all do. But the difference is, is repentance. He made a lot of the same mistakes, just like we do today. And there's a lot of people that do the same things that you may do when you make a mistake. But the difference is, is where's your heart? Are you truly repenting? To be a righteous person doesn't mean you have to be perfect all the time. It just means that you have a perfect heart. Y'all follow me there? You're going to make mistakes. But when your heart does not allow you to continue on, and that conviction sinks in, you're a righteous person. But you do got to follow up with the steps afterwards. We'll continue with that just a little bit. Step two, still up here on the screen. Oh, I'm sorry, go back one for me, Nick. Sorry. In close fellowship with God. So step two you must walk in a fellowship with God to gain his favor. In other words, you must have a relationship with God. You know, I thought, men, you guys, if you're trying to, uh, okay. To gain a relationship with your wife, you, you can't just go buy her stuff. Well, yeah, maybe you can. 
No, you got to know what to buy her. Okay, we're going to start there. You got to know what to buy your wife. Well, how do you know what to buy your wife? You build a relationship with your wife. You start to learn the things that she, some of y'all are still laughing at that. It's not that fun. You, you, still, you still have to figure out what it is that she likes. You have to find these things out. You have to build that relationship. It's no different with God. You got to figure out what it is that God wants you to do, what he, what he loves to see. The great thing is, is we have an instruction manual for God. I'm, I wish our wives, I wish we had instruction manual for our wives. God was good enough to hand that to us, right? You women are looking at me like men's instruction manual would be more. I get it. Guys, building that relationship is so important. You have to know how to please God. You have to understand that. Man, I can remember, you know, I thought I knew my wife really well. I mean, I really did. Um, our first Christmas together, maybe second, we weren't married yet. Uh, I went to Dillard's and I was going to buy her something, and, and I had no clue what to get her because we first, yeah, yeah it was probably our, probably our first Christmas because I didn't know her as well as I do now. Now I know you don't buy her any clothes ever. That's the dumbest thing you can do. Like, just give her money and let her go get her own clothes, okay? It never works. Guys, I'm telling you, don't waste money. Don't buy them clothes. Just give them the money to go get their own clothes. So, but, but here I was. I was young. I was dumb. You know what I'm saying? So went to Dillard's. This lady was there, and she's like, what are you looking for? So I told her, you know, about her height and everything. And she picks out this sweater. No, it's pretty. Don't laugh. It's a pretty sweater. It was red. And, and I'm looking at this sweater, and I'm like, Amanda would look good in that sweater. So I bought the sweater. Okay? I give her the sweater. You know, she put on the whole show, you know, it was great and everything. You know, she liked it. And let's see, we moved, got married. Four years later, we moved from one house to another, and I saw that shirt in a garage sale <laughs> for $2. Still had the tag on it. That shirt cost me 150 bucks. When I showed it to her, she didn't even remember. That's how bad me picking out that sweater was. She was like, you didn't get me that sweater. I'm like, I know I got you that sweater. <laughs> Guys, that's why it's so important. You've got to understand when you build that relationship with God, again, he's given us an instruction manual on what he loves and what he likes. Pick up your Bible and get into it. Step three, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 13 through 11. Oh, did I go past it? I'm sorry, 11 through 13. I'm sorry, you got it right, Nick. I'm sorry, Nick. Nick's like, yeah, Nick's like, I'm always picking on you. I did it wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Now, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world. For everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out among, or excuse me, along with the earth. There's a word there that a lot of people miss, and this is step three on how you have to get into God's favor, and that is said. God said. Now, why is that so important? Because Noah understood his words. He recognized his voice. If you're going to be in God's favor, you have to know when he's speaking to you. 
So how do you hear his voice? By completing step two. You have to create a relationship with the creator or you'll never hear him. There's a reason why God put this in the order that he did that we're reading this through Genesis. Starts with righteousness, goes to relationship, and then comes into hearing him. That fourth one's really hard. But it gets tougher as you go. Micah, I don't hear his voice. I get that a lot. You know, people come up to me, they're like, Micah, you say he said this, and he said that, and so forth. But, but I never hear him. Guys, two things are happening. One of these two. Either, again, you haven't completed step two. You have not formed that relationship with God. That's why you don't recognize his voice. Or number two, you're overthinking it. I've said this many times up here. I'm going to say it again. It means you're overthinking it. Guys, in the book of John, it tells you that God is love. Okay? The word also tells you that God is good. In other words, all good things come from God. Any thought that you have that crosses your mind that is a good thought, that's a thought that can help others, if God plants something in your mind that's a good thing, it's from him. Anything that comes in your mind that's good, it's from him. God is good. God is love. Don't overthink it. I don't need a show of hands, but I want you to think about it. How many times... Have you felt that tug to do something, and you didn't, but it was a good thing? You think about how great that could have impacted somebody's life, maybe yours. You never know. That takes me to the fourth step in receiving God's favor. In verses 14 through 21, we're not going to read all those. This is God's instructions to Noah on how to build the boat, what to put in the boat, and so forth and so on. Okay? Y'all can read it yourself. It's a lot. I want to go to Genesis 6, 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So you've gone from righteousness... to relationship, to hearing him, and then to doing what he says. In order to walk in favor, guys, you have, you have to do step four. You can do step one, two, and three all day long, but if you don't do step four, you're not going to walk in that favor. Y'all understand? It's the most important one. It's also the hardest one. And you know, it can be something, it can be something so silly. You know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, build a boat. I mean, that's what we told Noah. You know, at that, at that point in time, there's a lot of biblical scholars that said it never even rained at that point on the earth ever. And then, and then here's God telling him to go build a boat for rain. He's like, what's rain? You know, he didn't even know what it was. What's a boat? Thank you. What's a boat? Like, he didn't even know that. So guys, it can sound so silly. Man, it can so pay off, though, too. You know, I, I was reading the other day the story of Peter and the disciples when Jesus got on their boat, 
and he took them out and they hadn't caught any fish and so forth and then all of a sudden Peter's problem it wasn't no more fish it was I don't have enough nets to pull up the fish that's a one strike of obedience that he did he allowed Jesus on his boat that's all he did he just allowed Jesus on his boat Noah by building a boat saves his life his family's life and starts an entire legacy and generation of human beings off of one act of obedience last year just about a year and a half ago a friend of mine that's a pastor at another church we're friends now we weren't friends at that time I had never met him before but he walked into the jewelry store one day and he told the associate, and forgive me, I don't remember which one it was. But he said, I want to talk to Micah. So I went up, introduced myself, and he said, you're a pastor here in town. You just planted a church. I said, yes, sir. He said, man, that's awesome. And we visited for a little bit, got him a watch battery or something. That was the end of the conversation. We talked a little bit about pastoring because he was pastoring a church in Colorado. Two days later, he comes back. He was in town visiting family. Two days later, he comes back. They're literally leaving. They just left the house. And he told his wife, we've got to stop at the jewelry store. I've got to talk to this Micah dude one more time. He pulls in. He pulls me aside. And he hands me an envelope full of cash. And he says, this is for you. He said, my wife and I, we've been praying for the last two days. We felt like God had just put you on our hearts, and we feel like you need this money. I don't like to take gifts at all. Some of y'all know that, especially money. I don't like to take that. But I'm learning in my walk, and y'all need to learn this too. Don't block a blessing, because if I would have blocked that, I'm fixing to get into what would have happened. So with obedience, I accepted it. I had no doubt that God was speaking to me through this man, and I needed to take this money. So we take the money. At that time, a lot of y'all know this, COVID had hit, so forth. Business was really bad. And mine and Amanda's 15-year wedding anniversary was coming up. And I didn't have the money to take her anywhere. So I thought, all right, here's this money. I can use this money to take her on a trip. The next two weeks, we had planned out a trip. And right before we left, we had a huge day at the store. So I didn't have to use this money. God had blessed me with a great day. So we go on this trip. We get to Dallas. We just went to Dallas. It's, we just, but on the way there, we're visiting, we're talking, and we're talking about, I was telling her this story, what happened. She didn't know. We get to the hotel, and we get up to the counter, and she didn't know we had gotten this small room. It was a really, really nice hotel, so the small room was really expensive. But because of the extra cash, I thought, you know that money he gave me? We don't do this very often. I'm going to get a suite. This is a nice hotel. It was like a two-story suite kind of thing. So we walk up to the counter, and I'm talking to the lady, and she says, well, what gets you here? And I said, it's our anniversary. It's 15-year anniversary. She said, oh, it's awesome, you know. And so when Amanda kind of stepped over to the side, I leaned over, and I said, I want to go ahead and upgrade to a suite. She said, no problem. So she upgrades us to the suite. I'm about to walk off, and she looks at me, and she says, that's on us. Happy anniversary. The room was four times the price of the first room that we had. So we get up to the room. I scored major points because, you know, got the suite. Amanda had no idea. 
That night, we decide we're going to go out to eat. We go to a very expensive restaurant. Here's why. Because I had the money. <laughs> Still on our anniversary. Any of y'all ever eaten at Nobu? Y'all are like, what? Nobu? Oh, man, it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, it's stupid expensive. That's why y'all are like, I ain't, what you talking about? Yeah, trust me. So we go in, and it's just me and Amanda, and, and we sit down, and Amanda's, you know, she's kind of looking at the menu, and I know what she's doing. She's thinking, can we get an appetizer? Like, can we get this? And I just told her, I said, baby, you get whatever you want. So we did, man. We got the spread, right? I get a text message from a couple guys here from the church, and I'm not going to name their names, but I get a text message. Oh, we choked up. They said, like, what's going on? And Amanda had gone to the restroom. And I said, well, I'm just sitting here having an anniversary, you know, dinner with my wife and so forth. And one of them said, put your phone down. <laughs> First of all, I loved that. They, they knew immediately. In fact, I think the comment was, your family's your number one ministry. You know, put your phone down. I'm like, okay. We get ready to pay for the bill. They paid for the bill. We left Dallas. I hadn't spent a dime. I haven't spent a dime, and I still got this chunk of money from this other pastor, right? That year at Christmas, Annabelle had been asking for a, uh, I don't know, a nice computer, whatever it's called. MacBook, is that what it's called? Something like that? We couldn't afford a MacBook. But here's the cool part about it. That MacBook, we were able to purchase it with the money that that guy gave us. And most of y'all know my daughter. She used it for music. She's building the kingdom through that. It was a major blessing. So I got to call this guy and tell him this. Everything I just told you is not even the cool part of the story. When I called my brother on the phone to give him my side of the story that I thought was amazing, he told me, he said, Micah, let me tell you something. By the way, this had almost been six months. He said, Micah, he said, God told us to give you that money. I need you to know something. We couldn't afford to give you that money. We were in terrible debt said, we thought our house was going to be foreclosed on. Everything was going in the wrong direction. But God told us to give you that money. And guys, I need you to know, it was a lot of money. In six months, <laughs> that man was a pastor, but he did side jobs on the side for extra money. He told me, he said, Micah, I couldn't keep up. When I gave you that money, we started on our way home and business just started. Phone calls started coming. Emails started coming. And he said, in the last six months, I've paid off the debt that we owe. Every credit card. We're back on track on our house. And not only that, I got to sell my car. And my son's going to college. And that paid for his entire tuition to college. One act of obedience. If I turn down that money, does it happen? Even when it's a piece of obedience that you don't want anything to do with because your pride gets in the way, I don't need that money. I don't want that money. If I don't do that, what happens? Now, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Do I think God still blesses the man? Sure, I do. But what if it's not then? What if it's not in his timing? What if he goes through more pain and suffering because I'm not obedient to accept the money? One act of obedience, guys, can change two families a church, a lifestyle, can change your walk. Obedience. 
Pull up those four things for me, Nick. Four steps to walk in God's favor. Now, this is from Noah. This is what we learned from, the, from Genesis chapter 6. Live in righteousness, have a relationship with God, hear God's voice, and be obedient to God's commands. If you do those four things, I promise you, you will walk in favor. I promise. There's one more thing that I, I want to tell you guys. I'm fixing to close all this up, but you need to expect God's favor. When you do these things, don't just sit back and say, well, maybe good things will come. Amen. You tell them, Mikey. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it to walk through the door. Expect to see it as you drive by it. Expect it every day. And don't let your mind have any other thought. People will be jealous of you because you're walking in God's favor. This has happened to me before. People get, you know, why don't I have that? Well, he's bragging. They get jealous. Never apologize for being in God's favor. You didn't get there by accident. It takes work to get in God's favor. He selected you to be in his favor. Never apologize for that. Y'all get that, church? Let me hear an amen if you got that. Because that's the biggest problem that I see with a lot of Christians is God is blessing you like crazy, but either you're looking at what other people have, so therefore you're not paying attention to the favor he's given you, or you're letting people talk you out of his favor. Don't allow it. You walk in that favor, and you walk proud in that favor. You know, there's something I say, you know, I call it a gym walk. How many of y'all been to the gym, you know, and you got that dude over there every day, it's chest day? You know what I'm talking about? He got the chest uh, he, you know, he, I don't have a, I don't have a gym walk. Bojo, stand up, show us how. <laughs> but y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, he's cocky walking. You know, like. Have that gym walk. You can have that confidence in his favor. Understood? Now, really, don't do it like that, though. That look really stupid. Like, <laughs> just walk normal, but walk with your head up. You know what I'm saying? I want to leave you guys with a verse, and then I want to show you guys uh, an illustration. I know y'all love my drawings. I'm going to show that to you as well. Pull up Psalms 32.8 for me, Nick. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. First of all, I want you to understand it doesn't just say the best pathway. It says the best pathway for your life. Remember that. Y'all understand? Remember that. Not the best pathway. The best one for your life. That's the one he's going to send you down. I'll draw y'all a picture. This is how y'all need to remember this. This is how I remember it. That's a cross. This is not a tree. 
It's a road. I'm getting there. <laughs> I hear you talking behind me. Shame on y'all. Sacrilegious make fun of your pastor's drawing. Okay. God forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm going to get on this side. This is the path of righteousness. You see, there's always roads to the outside, right? There's different ways that you can go. There's going to be many times you're going to be tempted to take lefts and rights. Y'all heard me talk about this many times, I know. Just add, nod your head, act spiritual. Path of righteousness leads to God, right? Okay. This, as long as you stay in this area, you're in God's favor. The cool thing is, is God's behind you. I need you to know that. Again, the armor of God, it talks about, you know, the chest of rice, all these different things, but it never talks about anything that's on your back. And that's because God's got your back. When you're on this path, he is literally behind you. But what I need you to understand is when you hang a left, he's still with you. I need you to understand this. God is still with you. Even when you make that mistake and you're not following him and you're not being obedient and you're not listening to what he's telling you to do, He's still with you. You are still a child of God. Do you understand me? But here's the difference. That is the guardrail of grace. As long as you're here and you make a little mistake, that guardrail of grace is surrounding you. It's God's favor, mercy, grace, Love, he pours that on you as long as you're on the path of righteousness. But the minute you jump over that guardrail, his grace, his mercy, it's not as strong. It's what I need you to understand. Again, please get this. When you go off the path, you're still a child of God. He will get you back immediately. All you have to do, that's the great thing. Even though you've jumped over that guardrail, literally all you have to do is put your hand out. And he'll pull you back over. But you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing and admit your sin and, and have that conviction to be able to get back on that path of righteousness. That's being righteous. But if you stay on that path, when you make a mistake, that guardrail of grace is amazing. And it doesn't just come from him. That's the cool thing about it. I want you to think about this. When you do what's right, 99% of the time, Others around you will show you grace and mercy. That other 1%, don't worry about them. You're not going to please them anyway. Impossible. Amen? Grab a pen and paper. Write this down. How's my drawing? What? Get Caroline to come draw it next time. You know, I think I got two kids that have A's in art class. I don't know where they got it. <laughs> God's favor can be obtained by anyone who makes the effort to reach for it. Just got to take those four steps. Those four steps. 
And guys, don't stop on three. Make sure you're obedient and follow through with that fourth step. I see it so many times in Christians. Well, I'm doing this right. I'm doing this right. I'm doing this right. Yeah, but did you do what he told you to do? That's what's most important. It's all those other things that line up to understand what he's asking of you. But do you take the step? 